0: Hey everyone, this is episode 23 of Conversations That Don't Suck. I first of all want to say that I've recorded this intro more than once and my microphone wasn't on and I tried messing with the audio so hard for so long and then I gave up and now I'm re-recording it. So I hope this absolutely blows your mind. It is such an amazing intro. It won't be. I'm just telling you right off the bat. (laughs) Oh my gosh, just the joys of of podcasting and being a one-woman show when I don't have professional sound editors and sound engineers. Just learning, learning all these things. Okay, let's get into today's episode. So today we have two amazing guests. Two guests! It's my first time doing a double guest podcast episode, and it was so fun. I absolutely loved this conversation. Uh, we have Alicia Yi and David Shang on the podcast, and these are two amazing students from Harvard University. Um, Alicia is a rising junior, and David is a recent graduate of Harvard with his bachelor's degree, and is starting medical school at Harvard in the fall online, and uh, I was so grateful to be able to speak with them both. And David and Alicia both run something called the Hope Storytelling Project, which is run through the public library system in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and Las Vegas. And what they're doing is they're creating spaces online for people to connect over difficult topics and conversations, such as loneliness, and using poetry in order to do so. And so I was so inspired when I read about this in an article uh, in Scientific American, and I reached out to David and Alicia and told them I had to talk to them. I had to get them on my podcast. And so I'm really grateful that I was able to speak with them both. And it was such a beautiful conversation. And we also get a poetry share from both of them. They're both very celebrated poets and very talented poets. So I'm really uh, grateful that we also got some of that, too. This is the second episode, y'all, with some poetry. So this is needs to become a more a more regular thing. It's really, really special. And I loved being able to talk to David and Alicia um, and being able to get uh, a perspective from young people. I feel funny saying young people. I'm, I'm still young, I think. Uh, <laughs> being able to speak to younger people, um, to college students, and to hear about what the state of connection and loneliness is like on college campuses. Um, and that's a, a population I really want to be catering to more, especially given the current world circumstances and just knowing how much wow how much uh college students are really losing that they will never get back right now and so feeling a lot of empathy and and tenderness for that population so i was really grateful that david and alicia spoke a bit to that experience and i hope you all love this episode it is a really really good one they are both total sweethearts and thank you david and alicia so much for doing this it was so much fun enjoy this episode we'll be talking about loneliness and connection and a poetry share We live in a world that is starved for more authentic connection. Better conversations are our first step in getting there. Welcome to Conversations That Don't Suck. I'm your host, Kyla Sokol-Ward, and I'm here to engage you in truth-telling discussions about the super deep, always beautiful, sometimes ugly, and wholly honest parts of being a human. Real connection and empathic communication can feel easy and should be a part of our everyday lives. Most of our conversations suck. These ones don't. Hi, Alicia and David. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to talk with you both.
1: Thank you so much for having us today. It's such a pleasure.
0: Yeah, good. I'm so excited. Um, can you all tell me what's been what's been the theme of your day so far, both of you?
1: Uh, I guess like for me, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster because this morning actually um, Harvard released our fall plans for 2020. And so I found out for juniors and for sophomores, you might not be able to come back to campus for an entire year. So it's been of an The emotional- entire year, they said? Yes, for an entire year. <laughs> wow. I think it's like really understandable considering kind of like what's been going on. And I think a part of me kind of predicted this, that this would kind of happen. So I'm not surprised, but also um, I was kind of hoping that I would be able to return back at least by spring Mm -hmm. but it's been a little sad but also I think I'm hopeful that I'll have an awesome senior year so I've been kind of hoping on like holding on to that fact for now. (laughs) Yeah yeah and what about for you David?
2: Uh, I guess I've just been relaxing and taking it easy at home before uh, everything starts up again because I'll actually be starting medical school in the fall uh, albeit virtually but uh, also at Harvard Uh, but we're also virtual until January. Mm
0: so so yeah for the medical school they said that like you'll definitely return in january
2: uh based on what i understand it seems like it's pretty certain we'll return like regardless of the situation but then i guess it's fluid so you never know
0: oh my gosh well this is my first time doing a, a a triple person podcast so i'm very excited to be uh speaking to both of you at one time and yeah i would love if you all could well, to actually, to give some background to everyone listening, so I found out about Alicia and David through their uh, through the project that they've been doing called the Hope Storytelling Project, and I found out about it by reading an article in, it was in Scientific American, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I came across this article and I was like, these people are amazing, and I got super excited about, um, yeah, about what y'all are up to, so I'd love to, if you could say in your own words what, what it is and we can flow from there.
2: Yeah, so basically, uh, Alicia and I, after we re- returned home from the pandemic in around mid-March, uh, we were sort of wondering if there are ways that we continue to sort of create community and to create connection, because I feel like that's something we sort of take for granted when we're all in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and one medium that we immediately thought of was poetry, because that's like a shared interest we both have. and um, something that we've spent a lot of our lives like sort of thinking about and like teaching and sharing with people. Um, And so that's how we came up with the Hope Storytelling Project. In short, it's essentially a series of five poetry workshops where we sort of take participants through different themes that we've thought of, um, such as we have one on comfort, on perspective, on emotion, et cetera. And we use like sort of prompts and poems and sort of guided discussions as a way for people to sort of reflect and connect with each other and share memories and share emotions and sort of experience that community as if you're face to face. Uh, through the medium of poetry. Um, Yeah, that's essentially, (laughs) I guess, what we are. I don't know if Felicia wanted to add on.
1: Yeah, I feel like David summarized that really well, but I think just like kind of adding on if there's anything, it's just that I think for both of us, we kind of started this because we really enjoy poetry. And I think through the process of teaching the workshops and kind of sharing this community with other people, I think it's been really rewarding and also really humbling on our parts because I think we're growing so much just from listening to other people's and their stories and I think it also helps us feel very a sense of comfort and solace because it's so nice to hear that everyone else kept going through the same thing but also um, I don't know just it's very warming just to see people in that way and I think poetry has this ability to create a very safe and vulnerable setting where we can be really open about how you're feeling and because of that I think it has just made it a better experience that than we could have ever imagined before.
0: Mm, oh it's so amazing beautiful. I'm yes. curious do people when they first hear about it or they first like show up to these sessions with y'all I would imagine there's a lot of hesitation. Uh, Like if you're someone who's never written poetry before, there's a lot of fear of like, is this going to sound stupid? Is it going to come out? Right? Like, I mean, it's like a, it's even more vulnerable. Actually, well, I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll just ask the question. Do you think that putting things into the art form of poetry makes things more vulnerable? Or does it feel safer in some ways than maybe me just talking from my own perspective? Like, do you think that like moving it through an art form actually helps people to be more vulnerable?
2: Uh, yeah, I think just like speak on the hesitancy point. I think that is definitely something we thought of in the beginning. Like one of the things we always repeat throughout all of our workshops is that like there is no wrong or right answer, Mm -hmm. like even we don't know. Uh, And like, if you feel comfortable speaking up, feel free to speak up. If you don't, you can feel free to just listen in the background and like do whatever you wish. Um, and I think to speak on sort of as an art form, if it helps, at least for me personally, I think it helps a lot just because it gives me like sort of another angle to approach like what I'm feeling or what I want to describe. Um, and I feel like that is especially pertinent when we sort of like read poems together or like discuss prompts together is people can sort of share about like how the writing process made them feel or like what certain lines made them feel. And you can sort of use that as like an immediate connector of sorts, you know, between two different people who like, if I were like, oh, I have some experience and then someone said, oh, I have this experience. It might be hard for them to like find relation between those two. But mm-hmm. now through the medium of poetry, you sort of have like an intermediary of sorts.
1: And I think just, uh, I think going back to the question that you're asking about, like, whether you thought poetry um, is like, I guess, more, I forgot how you phrased it, but about that like, it helps us better. And I think mm-hmm. it does. I think we both kind of experienced it. And through our workshop is that I think it requires us to be more intentional about how we're thinking about how we're feeling. And oftentimes I think, oftentimes I think one thing that people realize in their writing is that they... Realize something about themselves or about their emotion that they never recognized before and I think the process of writing down your emotion That practice and that engagement of putting words into how you're feeling Allows you to rethink and reframe the situation around you and I think along the way when you finish the poem You realize you're feeling this way that you never felt before or that this was always bothering you But you just never realized it and I think because of that poetry becomes a very therapeutic means and I think I think that's why um, for us and this workshop has been helpful for many people in that aspect. because so I think um, just kind of having that intentional space um, allows people to practice that art in that form, and I think can be very helpful for many. hmm
0: Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of risk taking that happens in these <laughs> sessions for people, like not only to talk about things that we're not normally talking about, but then also, yeah, to throw art into it, which, yeah, as we've said, so many people feel so uncomfortable with. and I, I can imagine people leave their feelings so fulfilled and excited and like a little like shaken up maybe in like a really positive way.
2: Yeah. It's definitely, when we first started, we were like, what if no one just talks? <laughs> yeah, <often?" laughs> um, yeah. But, And like, it's just completely <laughs> we were <so> worried, <laughs> <laughs> But surprisingly people have been willing to talk and like unprompted at times. Mm. Um, and so I think that's also been a really powerful, like Testament really affirming to us of like, people want that chance, you know, want that space to to talk about these things and to like hear what other people think.
1: Yeah, it sounds like people are hungry for that connection. Yeah, yeah, I think especially now because we're all cooped up inside our homes. I think we're craving that interaction more than ever. And so I think perhaps maybe that's why people have been speaking up more. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been very good. (laughs) Yeah, what's the typical
0: like population that shows up to one of these because this is can you remind me it's run through the Cambridge library
1: system? Is that correct? And also the Las Vegas, uh, Clark County library. Oh, that's officials. right. Okay,
0: so yeah, is this like a pretty mixed bag of people that are showing up to these?
2: Uh, I think relatively mixed. I will say on average, <clears throat> our demographic is older, white uh, uh, population for the Cambridge library setting. Mm-hmm. I would say like probably half are like older and white and then the other half are like, uh, like young adults, like young working adults or like mm. grad students. Uh, or like medical students things of things of that sort and like that group is much more diverse in terms of like make like ethnicity or race etc mm-hmm. um for the las vegas library we're not on un- we're not the due to library policy we weren't allowed to sort of like register for participants so it's merely like who comes on that day is who comes so it's much harder for us to like track like that
0: mm-hmm. i'm thinking personally and i would imagine especially for college students and yeah and even grad students like I know for me being in my 20s living in San Francisco pretty much all of the interactions I have in like well when when I'm not in a pandemic and I'm being social like my interactions are pretty much always with people from like the ages of like 22 to 35 like always and it's kind of and we're all like sort of up to you know we all have different jobs and stuff but whatever we all kind of live a similar life over here and so yeah when I think of being able to be in a space like the one that you all have created and that there's kind of an intergenerational aspect of it what does that add to the to the space of having people of different age groups in there
2: i think for me just personally it there's so much more diversity of the stories you hear and like people's experiences especially when people talk about like childhood memories um or Mm -hmm. like just sort of like like i remember one of the most interesting conversations i remember is like one uh young young uh girl like around our age was talking about her experience working in a restaurant um like how that's like her side job during college and then. Uh, one of the older members of our of our workshop was like oh yeah like I that was one of my fondest things as a child too and like they sort of like talk about like shared like similar experiences from that and so I think it's really interesting to see like where those connections form especially when you have that gap in sort of generational experience um -hmm. I think for me that's like the most interesting part of that mix
1: I think for me I yeah also with David same thing I think it's just the stories are so diverse and I think um I think it makes our conversation a lot more fruitful because I think because of our generation differences, we all come with very different perspectives. And I think we had like one exercise where we would see one image and uh, I remember there was one picture of like a family like sitting on top of each other. And it's so interesting to hear from perspective of a mother who um, just had kids recently and to hear her perspective versus someone um, of our age and talking about like how it means to have a supportive mother and father mm-hmm. um, to help them throughout their college journey. And just kind of saying that I think also made me think about my own family in a different way. And so I think it just helps all of us um, kind of grow and learn from each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Can you all share one, like one of your favorite moments or stories or poem? Like, I mean, maybe you wouldn't be able to recite the poem, but some, yeah, something that that you experienced from this. Can you name one of your favorite moments?
2: Uh, I think so from our first workshop on comfort, we sort of spent the entire hour talking about how can we find. Things that we can find gratitude in or like comfort in especially like sort of this time where everything is sort of a mess essentially (laughs) um and i remember for our closing uh our closing individual writing prompt, we had people write like an ode poem so kind of like trying to praise a particular thing or idea or person um or just some memory that they were fond of uh and i think this one participant talked about how she had a really close friend whose husband i think passed away Mm -hmm. uh recently but There was something about like her husband always like saw like a crow or some sort of bird flying in the sky and like if he saw that then like something good would happen or like something like uh like some like something extraordinary would happen yeah and so she said like one day like she was like in her garden or something and like this is like after her friend's husband had passed and like she saw like that same bird and she said like after that i I, like something about like finding like berries or like finding like some type of like unexpected thing in her garden that like made her really. That, like she thought was beautiful and like made her smile a lot uh and sort of like just recalled like that like that memory of like you know her like her friends husband like seeing that bird in the sky um and i think it's like random memories like that i feel like it's are things that you don't really think of day to day or like don't spring up into your like conscious mind as you're going through your like daily mm-hmm. activities um but i think one of the reasons why we so love poetry so much is because it not only like brings those things up but helps us think more about them and approach them in different ways and like essentially sort of make it more dynamic like make it almost as if like it's a living memory again so I think I found that like just things like that really inspirational beautiful
1: what about for you Alicia it's so hard because I think it's just like in the moment I'm like wow that's so amazing and so it's just like all those moments slip by and so hard to choose but I think one moment that took me the back the most was actually from one of our recent ones where we're talking about um, a kitchen table, and who we see around the kitchen table. And I think uh, for me, I was I felt really fortunate enough that like I think like when I think of a kitchen table, I think about my mom and like her cooking like seafood soup. Um, uh, sorry, seaweed soup for my birthday. Kind of like those are kind of the first thoughts that come into oh. my mind. But there was one participant who shared that for for that person, the kitchen table didn't really mean much because there's no one or no one that she grew up with by her Mm -hmm. side. And I think just hearing that, I was just kind of taken aback because I think I became so accustomed to my life and what I thought, what a kitchen table might mean for me and to others. And I think hearing that moment, I was just like, wow, there's so much I still have left to learn and this is why I need to do these workshops and why these workshops can mean so much. Because um, it's like, I I feel like I know so much or I feel like I still have a diverse perspective, but and every time I do these workshops i'm stunned by like how little I know and how much more I need to grow and so I think that those kind of moments stick out to me the most often
0: oh that's beautiful. I love that you're yeah that you're naming that and I think that is one of the most important things about creating those spaces of connection is is reminding us of how little we know about the world, about other people, about ourselves, and yeah, I think poetry is such a great way to bring that out of people um, and Gosh, I just think of like the the world right now and how divisive things are. And and it's so easy to assume that we know everything about everyone else. And like, oh, because of this person and who they are and the assumptions and associations I have with whatever group I'm putting them in, like I know everything about them. And it's it's so easy to do that. And that's you know what brains do. And that is such an important part of connection is helping people to see like we don't know anything about anyone else unless (laughs) we are put in these spaces to to make it happen.
2: Yeah. One of my (laughs) personal favorite workshops that we taught was the one on perspective where like the poetic form we introduced and that one was the persona poem or like where you write from perspective that is completely not your own, like whether it's a Mm. fictional character, historical character, someone else, like an animal, an inanimate object or something. I think that's always really fun and like also really topical for at this moment in time, because it's literally like putting yourself in someone else's shoes and trying to understand like a event or experience from a different point of view that without any of your like preconceived notions or memories or anything so Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah just pure empathy it's beautiful i really want to i'm so curious about both of y'all and alicia and i had talked about this a little bit previously but i'm super curious about how you both came into writing poetry i think it's I, i don't know like hearing from both of you and that you are poetry lovers and fans and writers i I sort of wonder, I'm like, do more people write poetry than I think? Like I love to write poetry and it's a, a newer thing in my life over the last couple of years. But um, I, I think it's a pretty rare thing in my experience. I don't meet that many people that like enjoy writing poetry or even reading or listening to it. So, yeah, I'm curious about both of your journeys and in, in becoming interested in poetry and, and using that as an expressive art form.
1: In my opinion, I feel like we're always practicing poetry in some way or mm-hmm. another. I think it's just that none of us really realize that we enjoy or write poetry. I think, like, even, like, the posts on Instagram, some people, like, write really poetic things. Yes. And I think that can be a part. <laughs> or, like, I think like even like Twitter things like I think everything can be a poem It's just a matter of perspective or the no matter how we frame it and I think it's just that oftentimes I think we're taught in schools that poetry is this kind of like singular craft where you have to understand like Dickinson or Frost or like some I so like some kind of classic artist. and I think for us we've through our experiences I think poetry has become something way more than that. I think like even when I journal like in some ways I feel like I'm writing a poem just because Poetry gives that lim- like doesn't give limitations in that you don't have to write a certain way or have a certain grammar and I think um, I came to realize that I think I think when I, I forgot if I read the poem online and I was like I didn't know this could be a poem mm. and I think that kind of started my writing journey because in the past I thought poems had to rhyme or poems yeah. had to be this way. And there's a moment in my time where I had to stop playing music and I was trying to find something else that could resemble music or fill that space for me. And poetry became that form. And for me, poetry was my music and a way for me to express myself. And that's how it kind of took off. And yeah, now it's just like, it's it's like, it's become so much of my life and who I am today. Mm.
2: I got interested in poetry in a slightly different way. Uh, I first started writing like what i thought was poetry or i didn't know it at the time back in as a freshman in high school um just because it was like a great way for me to like just vent and like reflect and sort of unload all the thoughts in my brain um and also as a way to fall asleep quick more quickly (laughs) i think as time grew by i sort of learned like oh this is like an actual art from the people write poems and stuff um and at first i was interested because of its brevity and like of its like sort of focus, like sort of you talk about something that's like very charged and like, it's just sort of that moment in time. And then I think now looking back, poetry is sort of for me, how I envision it is just a way of observing the world of giving Mm. me sort of a different angle or different windows through which to sort of view the same experience or the same memory or same emotion Mm. over and over again, and always challenge myself to sort of learn essentially new things about myself in this world. Um, I think poetry is sort of, yeah, very similar to what Alicia said. It's sort of, it, it it's like, it's like music in a sense. Uh, I forget. There's like some, there is some quote by some famous poet that I don't remember about something like a poem is like a handshake. Uh, it's like sort of you, you, it's there for you to read. And once you receive it, it's sort of, there's like a sort of like connection there. Um, and I sort of, I think that's sort of how I approach it too, is like, as the more I write and the more I read and the more I get to share, it's sort of like, creating handshakes with people essentially and sort of creating like new avenues through which to like always be learning and just always be seeing things in a different way
0: Mm, yeah I mean what I'm hearing you say is it's like uh it's like a bridge in some ways of because sometimes I I think it's true that I can speak about an experience that I've had and if you haven't had that experience sometimes it can be hard to relate to but yeah using something using art it's it makes it more digestible in some ways or someone it's easier for someone to find the way that they they fit into my story in some ways
2: right yeah and like I think it's also yeah like very similar to sort of like if you hear like a piece of music that you really resonate with mm-hmm. I'm certain there will be other people who feel the same way or, or maybe feel differently but at least you have like that common you know that, that same common emotion generator that same common experience and that immediately is sort of like a bridge to each
0: other so I'm curious what was the motivation behind making this like a uh a public project and like using it like using the library system essentially to like get participants versus doing it directly through harvard or like on a college campus specifically or was that also an idea
2: so i guess i can speak to my my motivation for doing cool. the library is uh so senior year of high school i was lucky enough to be selected as a national student poet which is uh essentially there are, like five of us every year and back when it was run by the uh under the Obama administration, it used to be sponsored by like the President's Committee in Arts and Communities. And our main partner was actually with the Institute of Museum and Library Services. So like the museums and libraries all across the country. Mm. Um, And so that meant a lot of like our speaking engagements, a lot of our workshops, and a lot of like of our community outreach efforts were done through like libraries and such and sort of like these more public uh, entities. And so for me, that was sort of like the medium that I felt most comfortable with. And also I felt you could reach the most diverse audience in because a lot of people use a library um, and like people from all walks of life use the library. Uh, So I guess that was sort of my reasoning is like when we were thinking about best like venues or like best partners to work with on like getting this out to, to the community itself. I think for me, the library embodies the community in a sense of just like the people who like come and go and like just Mm. builds that environment itself. Yeah. We actually, I don't, yeah, I actually don't know if we ever thought about just running it through Harvard um, because I think for us, we were always thinking about how can we bring this to the people beyond Harvard or like not, Part of Harvard, um, mm-hmm. and so that's why I guess for me, I immediately thought of the library. Yeah, I think
1: also adding on to that, like one of the reasons we also thought the library is like is and especially about our communities is that. I think like in the case of Las Vegas, I think growing up was really difficult to find writing communities or to even talk about poetry, um, despite having a very vibrant kind of like visual arts scene here in the city. And I think because of that, kind of like because of these situations, we were thinking about like situations versus Cambridge and on campus, where arts and everyone is like very well-known and well-versed in these topics, You kind of want to share with people who may not have had the exposure, to these things because I think just having that exposure and that ability to find that connection is really important and I think libraries gives us the best accessibility for that to reach those types of populations and perhaps give it them the opportunity um, to find a way to heal their poetry perhaps to connect their poetry and so I think that's why libraries came into our immediate thought.
0: Yeah it sounds like there's um, an opportunity maybe by using a, a public space like a library or um, yeah, public forum in that way to, there's an opportunity to reach people that otherwise would like never be touched by something like this um, and wouldn't have, yeah, would not find an opportunity to to connect with other people in this type of space.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think I we're always surprised by like who signs up and like who shows up to our workshop yeah. in terms of just like the diversity and just like, so I think that's, I think that if anything reaffirms our that <laughs> we made the right choice in, yes. in libraries.
1: I think one of the best feelings that we have is like when we have a participant comes and they're like I don't know anything about poetry we just decide to drop by and at the end they're like we love this. It, I think that's like the best feeling. I think that motivates us all the time and so I think we look forward to those moments every single day or every time we host a workshop. Yeah
0: oh amazing and yeah I'm curious also if you can if you both can speak to what what's the state of connection like on college campuses and I, it's been, I mean, it's not like I've been like so long since I was in college. I graduated, uh, like six and a half years ago now. And, um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I, I think about even my own college experience and how I went to like a pretty small school and. I don't know. I guess I, I feel concerned that like loneliness is getting much worse, even even in spaces like college campuses where there is so much like built in community and like you're all there doing the same thing and like attempting to accomplish the same goal, which is to earn a degree. And um, and and there, are of course, so many like clubs and student activities and things that are right there for you. Um, but I would imagine, especially at a competitive school like Harvard, that there is a lot of... Yeah, like, do you find that there's a, a sense of competition in any way or that people are... That there's, like, high stress being at, like, being in a competitive university? Or, like, what what is the state of connection and loneliness on campus?
1: Maybe David can speak more on this, but I think my, from my personal experience, I think the competition actually comes from within mm-hmm. us. I think it's like instead of competing with other people it's co- more of a competition within ourselves, mm-hmm. and I think because of that if it become college can become an isolating experience because it's really hard to be vulnerable with other people when it seems like from the outside everyone has got it together that they know what they're doing and that they're really successful and especially on campus where so many people have achieved so many great things, it's hard to be like, yeah, like I'm, ha- I'm struggling with this subject or I didn't get the best test grade or, you know, I don't really know what, what I want to do for the yeah. future and because of that, there's like this inner competition. And because of that, it becomes an isolating experience because you don't really reach out to people. Um, and I think because of that, I think that's why I think Harvard can be isolating. And I think it's more of like the matter of like creating the space where we can have these conversations or um, finding the communities where we can feel like we can speak about how we're truly feeling. Um, And I think there's always work to be done.
2: Yeah I guess the analogy that I always heard best was sort of like the floating duck analogy of like on the surface (laughs) everyone looks like calm and serene and then underneath (laughs) it's like everyone's like paddling for their lives. Um,
0: That's great,
2: oh my gosh. If there's an analogy I think to describe like college students that would be a pretty apt one for, for me just because I think again I'm speaking to what Alicia said I totally resonate with that on the surface you're expected to like you know do all these clubs and like have like a really cool friend group and like do all these fun things and like post on social media that like you know life is great and everything is great that's maybe five percent <laughs> of yeah of like your actual experience and whereas the other 95 is like sort of stressed you may like oh like I gotta study for my next test like oh I gotta get this internship like oh I gotta like meet this and this people like connect with like network and do all this stuff um and I feel like especially at a place like Harvard, every, there, there is sort of, it, it feels like a rat race almost. There's always something next after you do something. Totally. There's always something to like push, for. there's always something to work for it. And students are, at least for me, like, well, I guess now that I'm graduated, graduate, it's a little bit different. But at least when I was in college, it was just sort of like, you just never really had a moment to like just be, you know, <laughs> just be like, I just want to wake up and like do nothing or like just catch up with some friends or like read a book or like go for a walk. It like those things felt like check like those things felt like things you almost had to check off almost not like things you could just Mm. wake up and be like I want to do it uh and I think I think that might be a reason why loneliness is I think is definitely becoming like a bigger and more prevalent issue even if it's not as talked about Mm -hmm. just because I think again as Alicia said it's very hard to talk about these things with people and people don't like talking about these things and so like naturally Mm -hmm. you you you, uh, skew away from that but again like I think it is incredibly important because I'm sure it's something a lot of college students feel each and every day. Um, but yeah, so (laughs) that's my two cents on that.
0: Yeah. There, there are like so many sort of moving pieces to what you both said. There's like the, okay, here's, here's sort of what I imagine about competitive or like Ivy (laughs) League schools in general. So I went to a public school, a public high school, I went to a public high school and there, it's like a, it was a good school, but like, whatever, I grew up in like a small town in Maryland and there are several people from like each graduating class that end up going to Ivy League schools. And what I imagine from their experience, and I think, and what some of them have said as well, is like the students who end up at Ivy League schools, like none of the students there like got all C's in high school, you know, like everyone's coming from a pretty similar academic achievement background. And then you're thrown into a pool where like, where everyone there had that same experience. Like, whereas like at my high school, like there are a few students who like deeply, deeply excel in those things. And then a lot of people who do like pretty okay, you know? And, um, and yeah, I would imagine there is a lot of like internalized pressure to achieve big things, like the bigger of the bigger things. And, and then I also feel a lot of sadness, David, when you were saying that there isn't always this like uh kind of intrinsic motivation to, do something fun or relaxing or like I just want to hang out with my friends today and like not focus on other things and um, yeah and I I feel sadness hearing that and (laughs) and it's not just students at Ivy League schools of course like everyone at all ages puts this type of pressure on themselves of like oh my life has to look this certain way and I have to check off these certain boxes and I have to put these things on social media to show that I am social and I'm really smart and I'm really beautiful and successful and it feels like a a microcosm of a much bigger thing. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I think one of my favorite stories that illustrates that, at least from my experience, was I remember junior year, I, I worked at this place called at Harvard called the Radcliffe Institute for Advanced Study, like where I, I work with like a research professor and we do like a research project together. And like whenever I walk through the front door, I always pass like by the coordinator who like always sits at the front desk and she's usually like, oh, like, how are you doing? Like, you know, how's it going? Um, and I remember one time I had like my like semesterly check in with her um and she was like yeah like so like tell me about your research project and i was like yeah like super interesting learning about this and this and like i reading like these and these books like we're trying to do like a presentation and like helping my professor like reading like all these articles like proofreading stuff and then she was just like oh like how are you doing though like how's like <laughs> like like you know like how's life like just outside of research and i was just like oh uh, it's okay i guess <laughs> and, then she, and then she just started laughing like and like just burst out laughing and i was like in my head i was like what's so funny and then she was like like I did she was like, I never went to Harvard and like I came from like a different university before I worked here. But she was like, I asked like you Harvard kids like questions about your research and you can go for like hours about it. And then I asked you like how are you doing? And you're like, You, you just don't know what to say. Just shut down. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think for me that was sort of like both like a reality, like a wake up call and also just sort of more emblematic, I think, of like that overall college experience. Like mm-hmm. where you always feel like sort of pressure to be doing something that's like productive towards your degree or career or et cetera.
1: For sure. I remember like freshman year, uh, I know it's like really dumb, but I remember like sitting, I meant, so there's this, for freshmen, they sit somewhere called the Annenberg. Um, it's like our main dining hall for freshmen. And I remember sitting there and I overheard a group of kids like competing over like how little sleep they got. Oh, They're like, gosh. Oh, oh, five hours. And the next week, like, I only got four hours. <laughs> and so I think just overhearing those conversations that kind of like shows kind of culture, but I think over time, students quickly realize that like sleep is really important, so I think just those, those kind of things kind of go on a daily basis because it's like instead of sleeping, you should be getting one more thing done or like getting another piece of problem done. I think that kind of like culture runs through because so it's kind of runs a mock here in Harvard or I guess in a lot of campuses, uh, especially because like everything everyone seems to be accomplishing so much, and so time seems very little, like twenty per yeah. hours doesn't seem at times, and I think Maybe that's why, like, not many students get enough sleep. Um, but yeah, but I think this pandemic, in some ways, I feel very grateful for because I feel like I was kind of on that like sprinting though it was a marathon, and I think having this pandemic took help to me slow down, um, take a step back, and kind of think about like what's important to me, what matters. Especially because a lot of clubs and a lot of things have come to a halt in many ways, even though they're starting back up now. And I think having that like brought in time um, of going back home has allowed me, I think, to take a step back from this rat race and um, perhaps think of it in the longer run. So I feel very grateful for that, even though it's been a little bit isolating at times, just like sitting in my room and spending my day at the house. Mm,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super curious about both of your experience with the pandemic right now and being a college student. And I think, of course, it's the pandemic is interrupting all of our lives in pretty major ways but I think it's I would imagine it's especially difficult for college students like college and high school students of knowing like of having a very clear picture of what it is that you're missing and I think other people it's like okay my life is interrupted you know my social life is not what it was and I can't travel the way I was planning to this summer whatever but to know, like, you know, I can go get on an airplane and travel to Europe later if I want to, but um, to know that, like, yeah, you're not going to get your sophomore year of college back and, or, like, your college graduation, um, the first semester of med school, whatever it is. Um, So, yeah, I'm curious, like, what's the, what are the thoughts and feelings going on for you right now? I'm, like, really feeling for college students these days.
2: Yeah, uh, I think back in March when they told us we were getting kicked out in, like, a week, <laughs> I remember the first two days, I, I think I was just, like, I, I'm not much of a crier. I don't think I am much of a crier, but I remember feeling very emotional those two days. I was yeah. just like, whoa, like, college is just over, you know, and, like, I had just, like, turned in my thesis. I had, like, the last, like, month and a half was just supposed to be, like, fun, you know, and just, like, relaxing and, like, doing everything that, like, college kids should do, Um, and and I was like, whoa, it's just all over, mm. um, but I will say looking back has and like sort of spending these last three, four months at home has like helped me put that into perspective and like reading stories online, like reading the news just makes you realize like just how deadly and sort of how, (laughs) just how widespread this, this problem is. And so Mm -hmm. I definitely think that sort of missing out on like my commencement, like on my graduation or like on that last month and a half of like my college experience is something that is definitely, (laughs) I can give up, you know, if it means like, if it means like, you know, more people like, are saved or like less people die or less people are infected. Um, mm. And so I think that sort of helped me put that into perspective and make me feel a little more grateful, you know, for like the position that we're in, like as college students, you know, who like, yes, like though we know we're missing out on a lot and like we can act, we can like write down a list in our heads, like all the things we're missing out on. We don't have to worry about, you know, a lot of things that like a lot of, of like millions of Americans are worried about. You know, I remember listening to like an episode on The Daily uh, about like sort of like people like who are facing unemployment and sort of like the concerns mm-hmm. that they have to make. Um, and so that also makes me feel really grateful, um, in a sense, I guess.
1: I think for me, it's a little different because I haven't graduated yet, and I, I, I'm i going to be a rising junior. And so when I heard it in March, I was like, oh, it'll be all good. I'll be back by right. summer. My <laughs> goal so was to come back to like Boston, and I was planning to do some research, but um, that didn't really work out, I guess, this summer <laughs> in terms of coming back. And so when summer happened, I was like, okay, it's okay, we'll be back right. by fall. And then and I was like, don't worry, you'll be back by spring. And I was like, no. <laughs> so I think because of that, um, I think it, like, it made me a little more sad just because I kind of like, built in those like, anticipations to be like, oh, it'll be all right, because there's like the next time and next time. And I think one thing I just kind of realized is that I shouldn't be thinking about the next day or tomorrow or just like whatever comes next because the only moment I have control over is today and so I think kind of focusing on that has helped me a lot more because I think I wasted a lot of my like March coming back home thinking about the future Mm -hmm. or thinking about like oh like I'm gonna do this and this happens and this happens but I think In some ways, I feel like it was a waste of time just because I think I was just kind of delaying what I had to inevitably kind of like accept. Um, But also, I think it was kind of good because I was like, it made me feel happy for a little bit. Um, But I think because of that, it's been strange because I think I've always been kind of accustomed to thinking about the future or thinking about things I couldn't plan for. And I think I'm starting to realize in the future that maybe that's not always the case and that's just focused on the today. And I feel very grateful for that. Like, I think... I've always heard it from like older people because I work at a hospice and they always tell me, Alicia, only focus on today and what you have grateful for today. Try to make most of every single second. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I definitely understand you. That's a great advice. (laughs) And then when when it actually happened, I was like, okay, yeah, sure. And then when I take it onto my own self, it wasn't the same. And I think this pandemic kind of helped me understand like the the wisdom that like, a lot of the hospice patients told me or like, my grandmothers and grandfathers have told me. And because of that, I think it's been very helpful. It also helped me understand what they're trying to come from. Like, I thought I understood them, but I guess I really didn't at first. Um, yeah, and I think right now, um, I've been just trying to think about happy thoughts because like, I think what's happened has been done. There's not much I can change. And so I'm trying to focus on the things that I have within my realm. And things I can be grateful for and I think there's a lot especially because I get to be home I get to see my family in ways I never did it's been a very pleasant experience in some ways and yeah I think I've been growing which I feel very grateful mm-hmm. for Yeah, I think
2: like one of my lo- life <laughs> mottos or just creeds is like if I can't change it and like if it's already happened then like don't spend the rest of my life complaining and like moaning about it just sort of like mm-hmm. try to make like lemonade essentially and like make the most out of it as i can and so like and i think that's sort of also the theme we we're trying to get at in our poetry workshops is like yes this terrible thing happened like yes like you know like so much is going on and like yes we can't control anything in our lives it seems like right now but how can we make that into like a positive thing you know or like but how can we like find comfort with each other still um and so i think that's sort of i guess where i'm at now too
0: mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. I feel very inspired and grateful that y'all have said all those things. And uh, I think it's, I think, you know, I think sort of what you pointed to David of like spend that time and like mourn and grieve and cry it out and punch your pillow and whatever. And also it's like, this is what's happening. Like, what can we do this? Yep. Right. We just have to be grateful.
2: Yeah. I And I also think like this pandemic has like brought out like, yes, brought out like sort of also the best out of people. I remember in the last week of college, um, after those t- two days of moping and sort of like walking around and like me and my roommates started like hanging out more and like doing stuff. And I remember like being out on the quad, like the just, like the grassy area, like sort of around our dorms. And I'd never seen like the college campus be more vibrant <laughs> than in those wow. last three days. there were like, <laughs> there's like oh, there sure. people hanging out, there's just music playing, like people tossing around Frisbees, people playing spike ball, like just oh. chilling, relaxing. And I was just like, in my head, I was like, this is what college should have been like all four yeah. years of my life. And I was like, why does it take a pandemic? It's like it's something that we have never seen, like
1: on a daily college basis, like you don't see that. Wow.
2: And I was just like, people are like smiling. People are like sharing with each other. Like, you know, like, it's like, this is like awesome. Like if college was like this, all I would never want to leave, you know? And like, but like I, I just thought that was really kind of ironic and also, but also really warming in a sense that, you know, like the pandemic brought that out. And like, we realized in those last few days, like what we really value out of college.
1: And actually, one of my professors, one one thing that she says to me, she's someone I really admire. Um, She told me that this is like... uh, Wait, I'm allowed to... Oh, please. (laughs) (laughs) It's just another fucking growth opportunity. And this is another fucking growth opportunity of all the another fucking growth opportunities. And because like, I really liked how she put it because, I don't know, it's just like, it's bittersweet, but also just funny. And I feel like she puts into words exactly how I'm feeling in a very succinct and um I don't know a lighthearted way um also yeah
0: <laughs> yeah you know, I just, love that I've heard like, that phrase before and I love that because I think it, it's like <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like oh, oh my god I like didn't need a growth opportunity and it's like one more fucking growth opportunity it's like okay <laughs> great like the pandemic I guess ruining my college year great fine we'll do it um yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. So I want to be mindful of our time, but there are two things I want to do before we close. So one, first, I would love for you all to tell all the people listening um, where they can find more information about about the hope storytelling project and then and I didn't warn you about this. sorry, not sorry, but i would I want to ask you both um, a few like lightning rounds questions that I ask all my all my guests.
2: Yeah, if you want to read more, like there's always a Scientific American article. If you Google like Hope Storytelling Project, Scientific American, I'm sure that'll pop up. Uh, if you want to search for like more description on like what the actual project like is and like if you potentially interested in like listening in on a couple of workshops left, I think we're closing out for this summer. I think we still have two left um, with each site. Um, if you just Google Hope Storytelling Project poetry and like do Cambridge library or do Las Vegas library, it'll be like one of the first results in Google um if not the only i was really surprised no one else had took this name before so (laughs) Uh, uh, so i think we pop up right to the top of the algorithm um and there'll be links in there like how to sign up or like how to reach out to us um because usually what we've been doing is like sort of sending out newsletters to the people who signed up so like with like people like with additional prompts or poems or like things like you know uplift your day that are like revolving around poetry um and that's also a great way to like stay connected as well
0: all right are you ready for your questions (laughs) hopefully (laughs) okay first question what is something that most people wrongly assume about you
2: oh uh that i'm really serious
1: Mm. oh i think for me it's actually the opposite um i think everyone thinks i'm like really bouncy and cheery and upbeat all the time uh, I guess, like I am, like that. I'm not, <laughs> but like I think it's like I can be very
0: serious too. Mm. And David, would you consider yourself more playful? And-
2: uh, yeah, I think. Well, I, I'm a little awkward in first meeting people at first. So I probably come off like a little more stiff and like more formal. But yeah. I think once people get to know me, I'm definitely not that. So, <laughs> cool,
0: yeah. great. Um, what is something that you would like to be acknowledged more for in your life?
1: Oh my God, these are really difficult <laughs> questions, but. <they're- laughs>
0: This is, the, this is me asking the Harvard students, tell me about you and your personal internal world. <laughs> what
1: about my own? Uh, oh my gosh. I, I'm not sure why it's so difficult, but <laughs> I think I just never thought about that. Um, I think for me, probably it just like, perhaps like my resilience in some ways, I think, hmm, maybe that's not it. I think it just like, I think everything that you see about me on the outside is not necessarily, like, who made me me. Mm. I I think, like, people hear one story of me, and that's not necessarily who I am. So I think, I hope people can recognize that there's more layers into a person, into me as well. Mm.
2: Um, I like that. I wish I could steal that. Uh, (laughs) I think, I think I I care deeply about a lot of things, but I don't really talk about them with people as much. Or, like, it doesn't come across in, like, everyday conversation. But I, I, like do spend a lot of time thinking about like like poetry for example um or just like oh, I like 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 animals <laughs> I really like animals. yeah <laughs> um, and just like things like that that I feel like you know you never really get to in, in everyday conversation
0: third question what do you think most people learn from being with you
2: well I think for me it's <laughs> how to be more chill uh-huh, how to be so. more chill,
0: <laughs> David. If you ever write a book, make that the title. Okay.
2: <laughs> I agree with that. That's so true. I think, I think like on like at least when I was applying to med school, I remember like a lot of my advisors like on paper they were like David like how do you find time to breathe? Um, and in my head I was just like, like I don't know, like you know, like you just I sleep at a normal time, like I eat three meals a day, like I work out, like I do everything, and like I've never really felt like super overworked or anything, and like I think. That's, like, an important skill to have is, like, you know, to know what you can handle and, like, work hard, yes, but also be able to, like, take things in perspective and, like, be able to, like, just sit back and relax every once in a while.
1: I think for me, I can't think of, like, a serious one, but I think the word, like, for me, what people can take away from me after hanging out with me for, like, an entire day is the word wow and ooh. Like, (laughs) I say those words so often uh, and like people like I remember when I first came to college people were like at oh, least kind of remind me of an elementary schooler at times because I was like look at this guy I'm like oh so nice. they're like so nice So like I am like wow there's leaves falling wow and so I think that's what people take away after just spending a day with me that's <laughs> so amazing maybe like Fascination about the world I'm not sure <laughs> but. I love that that's
0: one of my favorite answers I've ever heard to that great um okay and last thing so this is not what I normally ask people and I really really mean it feel free to say no but I'm wondering if y'all would share some poetry with with me
1: oh if you have okay. some that's
0: like accessible nearby or memorized let me see if I can pull
2: something out from my. Yeah, I could. I could uh, share something that I actually uh, wrote from one of our workshops.
0: Oh my gosh, this is so exciting! I have never asked anyone to share poetry. I'm so pumped.
2: <laughs> uh, I can go first. I wrote this was uh, on our during our perspective workshop when we were writing persona poems, and uh, we had asked participants to write like a persona poem about like a favorite memory or like experience from the perspective of someone else in that memory or experience. Like one of my favorite memories is just like walking at night and seeing like a bunch of fireflies. Sort of it like just almost looks like star, you know, like just like the night sky, kind of at, at eye level. Yeah. Um. And so I decided to write like a persona from the perspective of like a firefly. Uh, nice. Um. And so it's called Firefly Song. Um, <clears throat> when it's cloudy at night and I cannot see the stars above, I gather my friends in the pasture grass long enough to temporarily deter outside interference dark enough to ensure the spotlight and we shine timidly at first in short flashes of yellow then brighter still to a rhythm of the wind brushing the tops of the grass crickets clashing off tune beneath us ours is not a borrowed light and soon the constellations come alive just beneath the old oaks and pines scenes of love and war acted and repeated as one always does never rushed even when the jars extinguish us one by one. But the music is playing here on this night with the rest of my brethren. And it is quiet, but moves us all in sync without a word. And we cannot stop shining. We will shine only brighter, blinking in and out, a beautiful sketch of the galaxy held in temporary repose before it all tumbles out of control again. The music is playing while we do our best to keep this world in balance. Can you hear it?
1: Oh, yes,
0: beautiful. <laughs> oh, thank you, David.
2: Thank you,
1: yeah. So nice, it's hard to follow on that one. <laughs> I guess I selected a poem that I wrote during quarantine. I can't remember, I think this was maybe like towards the beginning of quarantine when I first came home and it's called Evening Thoughts because I wrote it in the evening. <laughs> Evening Thoughts, I barely recognize it, the sharp fence in the waning desert. It's so compact inside, it's hard to see behind the window. But in every angle, I can see the city behind it, the night, wordless, unnegotiable. I like to think I'm somehow making this land, this endless expanse blown over, except I cannot enter the city and far from it. It seems like the world has changed, and I am at its edge. In this room, I wait and see the neighbors passing again and again until they leave the frame, the brown gate and its ruts, the rustic ground. I wonder where my neighbors are hurrying to, how many more days I'll spend watching and waiting. I try to feel invisible and the night adds to itself. It excels at filling time. Mm. Oh, beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. It's been such a fun time.
0: Wow, Did, Honestly, I'm going to ask all my guests to share poetry. They need to like prepare a poem before they come on here. That was great. Thank you both. <laughs> we would love to hear it. <laughs> Amazing. Well, yeah, thank you both so, so much for taking some time out of your day to, to share all of this. And I'm so, first of all, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed this morning and this has like definitely enlivened me greatly. So thank you for that. And also just, yeah, feeling really grateful and inspired for what you're both doing and, and bringing more connection to people right now because yeah, it is so, so needed. And yeah, and I love that you're using art to do that.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having us. It was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it's been so much fun to do this with you. I'm really grateful for uh, that you reached out to us to do this because I think we're happy. we just had a really great time with you today
0: all right y'all that is the episode with david and alicia thank you so much for listening if you want to learn more about the hope storytelling project or attend one of the last events that they are doing if you are listening to this on the day of this episode's release which is july 13th then you can find out more about that in the show notes all of the links are there thank you again so much for listening i love you all so much and i'll be back next week with the next episode